You're listening to Sibling Talk, commentary from a progressive point of view. Now here are your hosts, John Paulette and Mary Jo Tumare. Hello, I'm John Paulette. And I'm Mary Jo Tumare. Okay, Mary. So Donald Trump sends, well, it's not a tweet. It's a truth social or something. It's the truth. It's the truth. It's a truther. Uh, but he sends one out. No news there. It says in it that Mitch McConnell has, in all capital letters, because Donald loves capital letters, has a death wish. And it then goes on to make a set of racial slurs against Mitch's wife and the former, I think she was Secretary of Labor. No, Secretary of Transportation. Transportation. Under Bush, actually. She was the Secretary under Trump because she resigned right at January 6th. Uh, So she was, but I think she was Secretary of Transportation under Trump, but I think she was Secretary of Labor under Bush. Under Bush. Okay, I agree with that. But he makes a very uh, racial slur. I did uh, I mean, Brett, what did McConnell do? Uh, well, I think what precipitated all this was uh, that McConnell got on board uh, with the bill to keep the government open. Oh, oh, or also was he on board with um, the changing the Electoral College Act? Or something? Yeah, I think both of those together. He was trading with Democrats. And yeah, pretty innocuous things. But this is not news to us uh, that Trump goes nuts about these and says violent things is uh, uh, racially inappropriate. And I'll tell you something else that's not news. Watching the news shows yesterday, this was CBS uh, Sunday morning show. And Rick Scott, who is not only a senator from Florida, but is also kind of head of the senator's campaign unit. Is that right. That's not the real word. but No, but he's in charge of the, um, uh, the Senate. Um, election campaign, whatever they call it. So he's running the campaign to get a senators elected. Republican. Okay. And, and my point is here, he, he's a big guy. He's not just a little backbencher. And so he's asked about this and he goes into the regular dance on, well, I just think we all need to learn to come together. Come on, <laughs> people now. Smile at each other. Everybody (laughs) get together. My God. You know what, Mary? The question I guess I want to pose, even now, even when the head of the Republicans in the Senate is threatened, even when a leading Republican woman is disparaged this way, even now, the Republicans cannot speak up. Well, I mean, it's interesting, too, because... Um, when I heard that, what do they call that? Like a truth or something? What? Yeah. Put out. When I heard that, I thought that's a threat. I mean, you know, because one of those crazy people that supports Trump could easily read that and think, oh, he's telling me 
to go out and kill McConnell. I mean, that's not beyond the realm of possibility because we've seen it happen multiple times, including January 6th. And just as an aside on that, you know there's this trial going on right now with the Oath Keepers. The jury's been uh, seated and it started today. And their argument is that they weren't engaged in seditious um, conduct because they were just listening to Trump, who in a sense had called them out as the militia, as the Constitution allows, and they were just gathering weapons and waiting for Trump's go do it. And um, it's another thing that's happening which no Republican leadership, including Mitch McConnell, has spoken out and said, that's crazy stuff. The Constitution does not allow citizens to overthrow the government. That's what we have elections for. You know, we're a constitutional republic and the Constitution sets up how we change the government or the people in government, which does not include a militia called out by the president when he loses the election. So, you know, we're in this very dangerous time and which I thought that that thing Trump sent out was part of where uh, political violence is accepted. Well, it is. And I, by the way, I do want to highlight, you have raised the question, I think several times about the weapons that these militia groups had in the hotel rooms. And I remember you saying, wasn't it kind of odd that those didn't show up mm-hmm. at, uh, at the Capitol? In a way, I guess we have an explanation for that, that they thought the deal was you get all this going, disrupt the uh, counting of the vo- votes, and then Donald Trump gives the word, and then we go out to the Red Roof Inn and we collect up the guns and then we come back. I mean, that's kind of what they're saying, right? It, I think it is. I think they would hold the position after they had stopped the count and and then the fake electors could come in. Donald Trump was then, um, you know, going to be given another term by the fake electors. And if the military didn't enforce that, then they would be called down as the militia to do it. You know, John, how they, you know, people have talked about and definitely uh, Liz Cheney, Jamie Raskin have alluded to this like more complex and well thought out plan than we thought. I think that was part of it. I think so too. And you know, one of the things what's interesting is that some people who went to the Capitol actually did have weapons, but they didn't pull them out. And now we know why. And that the um, law enforcement was there has said they made a conscious decision not to pull their weapons because they felt if we pull our weapons, they'll pull their weapons and we'll have a bloodbath. So they knew there were weapons there, but I don't think they knew, you know, there was an arsenal waiting at a Red Roof Inn. No. I. By the way, I promised myself this morning I was not going to be snarky. And I'm oh, about to break really? that. Yeah, break that promise. You've seen the guy who's on trial, right? I forget what they are there. If these are the one percenters. They're the, oh, no, 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 no. 
we want to be one percenters. Oh, okay. No, they're yeah. um, oath keepers. Oath keepers. And I saw him on the television. It turns out he has a law degree from Yale. Yes, Yale must be so <laughs> so proud. I, of, I, I mean, all the Ivies must be very proud of their graduates. I, I have totally <laughs> misunderstood. You know, this has been creeping up on me. I mean, from Ted Cruz at Harvard and so forth. I just don't think uh, a Ivy League law degree is what it once was. No, I don't know. Well, it, it certainly doesn't teach you to be a good citizen. So no. I guess that's not part part of the program. No. Um, but, but back I to wanna, your point. Anyway, yeah. go ahead. <laughs> well, and I, I guess back to the point, the thing we don't know, we haven't known for five years, is what hold does Donald Trump have that keeps Rick Scott and others from simply saying, no, Donald Trump was wrong. That should not have happened. But it has to be that it's not a majority of the country that supports Donald Trump, but it is a majority of Republicans. So they're just giving the people what they want. I was going to ask you another question, though, when you talk about this political violence. So the last time the country had that kind of political violence, I, and I could be wrong about this, but was in the 60s, right? Culminating right. in 1968. So was, I mean, I was too young and, and maybe you were too, to know whether or not it was in the air in the way that it feels like it's in the air now. Because you didn't have social media, you didn't have 24-hour cable news. But there must have been um, some way that that it was communicated that political violence was okay, because there was so much of it, right? I mean, John Kennedy is killed, Martin Luther King is killed, Bobby Kennedy is killed. Plus, you have all this other stuff, like right, Malcolm X is killed. You you, you have a lot of assassinations. You do, and I do think it was in the air. And part of uh, it being in the air were things like the Weather Underground, which had split away from the SDS, Students for Democratic Society. Uh, they were, this even goes well beyond 68, uh, they were bombing government buildings. Uh, now, finally, and it, it kind of provided almost the end uh, to them, their bomb making blew up and several of them were killed. Many of them went on the run. And we still have here in uh, Chicago, Bill Ayers, uh, who's a professor here, very respective guy. He was tying things together. He was the one that, uh, was it Sarah Palin coined the phrase that Barack Obama like to pal around with terrorists. Oh, yeah. yeah. And that was Bill Ayers. But other little things. Uh, a Beatles had a song, Happiness is a Warm Gun. Our brother Terry, up in his room, and Terry was a very conservative guy. He went on to be a banker, but he had a poster from, I don't know, Rolling Stone or something that was like, Happiness is a Warm Gun. There was that kind of feeling. I think that when went around. Now it never uh, took the forms. I don't think that we're seeing here. But you're right. There certainly were 
assassinations, explosions, those kind of things. So I guess the reason I mention that is because ultimately the backlash to that is Nixon, right? Yep. And, yep. and, and the law and order and the silent majority. So I wonder if <clears throat> the, the Democrats, and I think Biden has tried to do this, do create a backlash in whether we're seeing that a little bit if we have a significant political assassination. Not that I want, I'm not a fan of Mitch McConnell's, but I don't want to see him. I don't want to see any leader, even Trump, assassinated because you start to create a moment of instability. It's very hard to put that genie back in the bottle. And I know these people have a lot more security than they did even when Reagan got shot. But um, I, you you can feel there's just like a tinderbox feeling. And when Trump does that, this is why I think people reacting to it. The racism to McConnell's wife, that's bad. But what he really did was bad, was signal to one of his crazy people, if you get a clear shot at McConnell, take it. Absolutely. And I, I'm i going to uh, amend one word, I think, uh, uh, that you said. See if you agree with me. Nixon was the opposition. I think the backlash was Ronald Reagan. Yeah. I think I th- it comes 10 years later. I think you're right, because you had to, you needed that 10 years to change young people. And so by the time I graduated college in 1979, and already you could see a change in young people. Like they just wanted to eat avocado toast and work on Wall Street. And, and dance disco. Yeah, it was a very frightening time, John. A very it, frightening it, time. It, it was one. Not one we want to go back no, to. But you know, by the remember. end of Nixon, which, you know, it's like two years before the final end of the Vietnam War, but it's all unraveling uh, then. And it doesn't end well, ends with the helicopters taking people away. Nixon ends so terribly uh, with the resignation. And then we get the kind of blah years of Gerald Ford and inflation goes out of control. uh, The Iranian hostages. I think the American people got to a feeling of, we tried, but like a little kid, things are a big mess. Yeah, and people got tired, and you wonder whether we aren't a little tired right now. I think we are, absolutely. All right, well, I better go take a nap. <laughs> Bye. Talk to you. Sibling Talk is a JMP production. Theme song by David Paulette.